Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, Raven here. You're a curious, independent person. I know that because you listen to Agora Podcasts. Agora is a network of independent podcasters who are curious and intelligent just like you. If you have a product or a service that you would like us to advertise to other like-minded people, go over to agorapodcastnetwork.com and contact us. We have just under 1 million downloads a month between us, so it's a great way to help out your favorite podcasters while also getting your message out into the world. Hello, and welcome to Tiny Vampires, a podcast about disease, science, and blood-sucking insects. A member of the Agora Podcast Network. Episode 13, How Does the Repellent DEET Work? I'm Raven Forrest Fruscalzo, your host. Happy holidays. I hope all of my American listeners had a great Thanksgiving. The other day, my husband Ben and I were talking, and he asked me the question for today's episode. He read an article that said that DEET actually overwhelms mosquitoes, which led him to ask, if we diluted it down to very low concentrations, if it could be used as an attractant. It's an interesting question, but it's based on a major assumption. That assumption is that we know how DEET works. On a neurological and a molecular level, we don't know how DEET works. You might ask, how could we invent something if we don't know how it works? The answer to that is just sheer man-hours. Back in 1942, the U.S. government, with collaborating organizations, set out to test 7,000 chemical compounds to see if they would repel biting insects. They wanted to keep the troops overseas and the civilians at home from contracting deadly and debilitating insect-borne diseases. They tested each compound in two ways. Drops of each of these compounds were spread onto the arm of an experimenter and then just stuck into a cage with thousands of mosquitoes, and they simply counted the number of bites. They also put it into cloth to see if things like clothes and tents could hold the potential repellent for more extended periods of time. 
The first promising compound they found was N-N-dithylbenzamide. It repelled mosquitoes from the skin for more than three hours and for 10 days on cloth. There was a problem, though. It caused skin irritations. No one would use a product to keep mosquitoes away if it's just as irritating as the mosquitoes are. So they went back to see if they could make some derivation of the compound that would not hurt the user, but would be just as effective at keeping mosquitoes away. One form of the compound, NN-dithyl-M-toluamide, held up in the repellent trials and was also the least toxic when tested on rats. After further tests on humans, the government was satisfied that it was both safe and effective, so they gave it the green light for public use. Not surprisingly, the very not-catchy name was changed, and DEET was born in 1957. Fifteen years of research and likely millions of mosquito bites went into its development. Ever since, the question has been, how is it that a compound not commonly found in nature could be so good at repelling insects that have never been exposed to it? The question grew in scope as it was discovered that DEET was effective on everything from fruit flies to ticks to parasitic worms. We're going to get into how DEET works on ticks in our next episode, because it's really an interesting but complex story, and I don't want it to get confused with all the complexities of what's happening with mosquitoes. Let's start off with how we animals sense the world. Whether it's vision or smell, hearing, taste, or hunger, it all comes from neurons sending signals to the brain. But taste and smell are very different things. So what is the difference between a neuron on your tongue and a neuron in your nose? Receptors. We've talked about receptors before, but let's refresh what we know. Just like us, insects smell something when a neuron that has a receptor for that scent fires, sending an electrical signal to the brain. These receptors on the outside of the neuron work like a lock, and the molecules that make up the smell work like a key. The molecules that you taste are typically not ones that will diffuse through the air, something like fats. Then the neurons on your tongue have different types of receptors than the ones in your nose, but they work the same way, like a lock and a key. In insects, can actually use genetic techniques to make smell neurons grow taste receptors instead, and they work just fine. The receptor on a neuron is what defines it. Insects like mosquitoes have three different sensory systems that they use to pick up chemicals in their environment. The first two are pretty familiar to you. Gustation, which is the sense of taste, and olfaction, which is the sense of smell. The third chemical sensory system is the ionotropic system. These neurons sense chemicals floating in the air just like the sense of smell, but they have some key differences. Neurons in the ionotropic system are much more specific, like high security locks with very specific keys, and they are less sensitive so there has to be a lot more of the specific compound in the air. 
The biggest difference between olfactory neurons and ionotropic neurons is the type of chemicals they sense. Olfaction in insects is mainly used to sense three different classes of chemicals, esters, alcohols, and ketones. An example of an ester is isoamyl acetate, which is what makes bananas smell like bananas. An example of an alcohol is isopropanol that you smell when you use rubbing alcohol. And an example of a ketone is the acetone, which is the smell in your nail polish remover. The mystery we're going to be looking into today is which of these three sensory systems is the one that's affected by DEET to make mosquitoes hate being around it so much. There are also three different ideas as to how smelling DEET in the air could send biting insects packing. First, the DEET molecules don't have a smell of their own, but instead block the mosquito from smelling the chemicals coming off of us that make us smell delicious. Second, is DEET only works when combined with human smells and confuses mosquitoes by mixing the signals being sent to the brain. Third, that the mosquito smells the DEET and doesn't like it and leaves. The investigation written up in today's paper doesn't completely solve the mystery, but it gets us a lot closer to understanding how it all works. You might ask, well, who cares how it works as long as it works? This is a practical question to ask. There's only so much research funding, so why put tax dollars into this? Knowing how it works gives us some information on how to make more repellents that are just as, or even more, effective as DEET. Some mosquitoes have become immune to it, so as those mosquitoes spread, we need something to protect ourselves from their bite. DEET also isn't very volatile, it doesn't disperse through the air very well. So, we have to use more of it and at higher concentrations than otherwise would be necessary. And finally, DEET can melt certain plastics, so it scares some people into not protecting themselves. Knowing how DEET works can help us make a new product that could possibly be more effective in smaller amounts and is less scary for the users. The researchers in today's paper sought to whittle the list of suspects down to who, which type of sensory system, and how, which of the three hypotheses as to how DEET works is actually wrong. The research was done by De Gennaro et al. in 2013 and is called Orco Mutant Mosquitoes Lose Strong Preference for Humans and are not repelled by volatile DEET. As usual, if I do my job right, you'll completely understand this title by the time the episode ends. First, what is ORCO? My earlier explanation about what a receptor is was the simple version. But to understand this paper, we need to dive a little bit deeper. ORCO is short for olfactory receptor co-receptor. In insects, smell receptors are what we can think of as incomplete. On their own, they can't make the neuron fire, like only having half of a lock. When the orco piece and the receptor piece are next to each other, 
and the right scent molecule is around, the neuron fires sending a signal to the brain. Orco is only important in the olfactory system. De Janeiro and his co-workers wanted to see how the olfactory system affects mosquitoes' behavior around DEET. So they used a zinc finger nuclease to destroy the orco gene. In biology, if you see ace at the end of a word, it means to cut. So a nuclease cuts nucleotides, which is what DNA is made out of. So all this is is a scientist's tool to cut DNA in exactly the right spot. If you use it to cut either end of the orco gene, then that chunk of DNA will no longer be part of the genome, and the neuron will stop making orco. No orco means that every lock in the olfactory system can no longer be unlocked. No matter how many keys you have, the lock won't open. Comparing the behavior of intact mosquitoes when they are around DEET and a human arm to these mutated mosquitoes allowed the researchers to determine if the ionotropic system and the gustatory system are what allowed the mosquitoes to detect and avoid DEET. When the two sets of mosquitoes were released onto a DEET-sprayed arm, the ones that could smell avoided the arm, while the mosquitoes that couldn't smell flew over to the arm and landed on it. They didn't bite, though. They landed for a second and then flew off. Mosquitoes have their version of taste buds in many places, including their mouths and their feet. So while the mosquitoes couldn't detect DEET in the air, they could detect it when they landed on the skin and tasted it. The gustation, or taste neurons that react to bitter, reacted to DEET. If you've ever accidentally licked your hand after using bug spray, you will know that insects are tasting the same thing we do, and neither of us like it very much. From this experiment, we learned that DEET is being detected by smell and by taste, but not in the same way. And it is not being detected by the ionotropic neurons. Another experiment DeGennaro conducted was to determine if DEET was blocking the olfactory system, like some people hypothesized. If DEET makes normal mosquitoes smell blind, and getting rid of olfactory co-receptors makes mosquitoes smell blind, then these two groups of mosquitoes should act in exactly the same way. But if they don't act in the same way, then we know that DEET is affecting the mosquitoes in some other way. They put a bunch of mosquitoes into a tube that's shaped like a Y, so that they could have a choice of which fork of the Y that they wanted to go down based on what they were smelling coming from the tubes. First, they put normal mosquitoes in with a human arm on one side and nothing on the other. They were attracted to the arm, just like you would expect. Then, they sprayed that arm with DEET and released the mosquitoes again. This time, the mosquitoes chose the empty side of the Y to avoid the arm, just as you would expect. When the mutant smell-blind mosquitoes were put into the Y-tube, they were attracted to the clean arm and the DEET arm just as much. Because these two reactions are different, we know that DEET is not blocking the mosquito's ability to smell. DeGennaro and all of his co-workers work 
was funded by a couple of grants from the National Institute of Health. Even though we don't know how DEET works right now, we are figuring out some of the ways that it doesn't work, getting us closer and closer to the answer. Along the way, we are getting insights into other repellents. The message from the Agora Podcast Network this month is a reminder that you can advertise through the network and get your message out to all of our intellectually discerning listeners. A Tiny Vampires announcement is uh, by listener request. The Tiny Vampires t-shirt are now up for sale on the store section of the website. There's also a mug for hot drinks, if that's more your speed. So get one for yourself or any mosquito hater on your holiday list. I hope that you found and continue to find this podcast informative. The webpage for this episode has lots of information about how DEET compares to other insect repellents, a link to today's paper, some videos explaining further in depth, and, of course, show notes and music credits. Follow me on Twitter at TinyVampiresPod, and send me your arthropod or disease topic suggestions through Facebook, Twitter, or the website. Thank you for listening. From me, Raven Forrest Ruscalzo, Master of Science student at the University of Notre Dame and funded by the National Science Foundation. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.